Hey guys, and welcome to the Grow Podcast. We are so happy that you're here. I'm Ashley, your host through the monthly grain segment of the podcast, brought to you by the Landis Grow Solution Center. Today, we are going to be doing something really cool that's really fun each year. We are going to be recapping our Landis crop tour results. So tune in. This podcast is going to be a smidge longer than normal. We have lots of fun guests to talk to you about our different trade areas here at Landis. But first of all, we're going to kick things off with Reese Drenth. Uh, Reese is one of our merchandisers here at Landis, has been on the podcast a couple times. But Reese, go ahead and introduce yourself for us. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, Reese Drenth has been with Landis full time for about five years on the merchandising team trade um, corn and beans in a truck and in a real car on the east side of I-35 for us, as well as some stuff up north and some stuff around the uh, Des Moines area. So looking forward to diving into the crop tour info uh, this year. For sure. Well, um, Reese, just for our listeners, uh, Reese does a ton of the back work for this uh, crop tour just all of the number crunching and, and putting everything, all the data in. So um, big shout out to you for doing that. It's a lot of work. Um, but I want to go in and just give us some background on why we do this, right, as a company first and, and kind of maybe, you know, what started this and, and why we want to give our producers this information. Yeah, so a couple things. What started it um, from Landis's perspective is two things. First of all, um, we feel like we cover enough of the state to give our customer base a really good idea of you know what the direction of the Iowa yield is going to be on corn and soybeans, or at least the condition of the crops. And that's going to do a couple things for them. It's going to help them make marketing decisions. Um, it's also going to help them you know with logistics if they know that. Um, grain in their county or their region is um, going to be, you know, very, very good this year. You know, they can make plans to adjust, you know, maybe um, taking corn to a certain elevator at a certain time because they know it's going to be busy or they know this elevator should fill, you know, on years with good yields or it's not going to fill on years with bad yields or stuff like that. So first and foremost, you know, give helpful information to our farmer owners to um, make decision making easier for them. Second of all, it truly helps um, our operations and field staffs out, as well as the merchandising team out, um, knowing what kind of crop is headed our way this fall. You know, in big years, we're going to be tight space, and we might have to make sales during harvest, and in in tight years, uh, we're not going to be as tight space. We won't have to make sales during harvest, and if you think about it, um, making sure our ops team knows kind of what that harvest plan is beforehand is going to help them make decisions uh, throughout harvest and beginning harvest or before harvest. And then for the merchandising team, if you think a big crop is coming at you and you make a bunch of new crop sales and then the crop's not there, that can also be very costly and not a good way to start off on your grain PL um, for the crop year. So uh, two main reasons, again, is to give uh, useful information to our growers uh, and our farmer owners, and second of all, to help us out make the right decisions uh, for fall. Okay, and then just for our listeners, um, so that you know this, and I'll say this a few times throughout the podcast as a reminder, 
Um, if you are just listening on podcast form, uh, in the show notes, you can download this really beautiful PowerPoint slide deck that Reese put together with tons of information we're going to talk through. Um, but you can also head over to YouTube and join us over there. It's going to be an audio with the, the slide deck kind of there as we talk through things. So two different kind of formats for you to, to listen in on. Um, but if you're here audio only, um, we will walk you through the numbers as well. So I want to talk about this uh, before we get really into the numbers. So our area covered is, is obviously has to do with where our facilities are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this project, we do 31 counties in Iowa, one in Minnesota, uh, 238 townships. Um, so quite a big swath of, of area. But Reese, go ahead and give us, um, we don't need to dive completely into the methodology, right? Um, but give us just a little bit of, you know, what it looks like, our, our field staff team, um, you know, how many people maybe at Landis go really and do this project for us? Yeah, so you talked earlier about the work that goes into this. Uh, 90% of the work that goes into the crop tour is done at the field staff level. Um, our account manager team, our, you know, relationship specialist team, you know, our even our BU leaders, hub leaders, they're out there. Um, collecting samples so um, you know as far as our methodology is concerned you know we try to go you know you mentioned townships we try to go to um, as many townships as we can that's kind of how we break down you know our map and we try to take two samples per township minimum of four miles in between each sample Um, and the hope is anyways you know hopefully it's not too hot roaming into you know fields and whatnot but we'd like to take a sample at least a minimum of 50 foot into the fields um, to get um, good quality you know beans or corn and avoid end rows um, as far as you know what actually happens when you're in the field um, you know we try to measure sample areas based on row spacing so like a 30 inch row we would take an eight by eight sample um, and after that we try to identify the crop stage we count plants try to pull plants 3, 5, 7, 12, and 15, or some variation of that. Um, and for beans, we pull all the leaves off, we count the total pods, and then we count the total beans. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to corn, um, very similar methodology, two samples per township. Um, I should say we try to keep it four miles between each sample just to get a good representation of the area. A lot of times a couple miles can make a really big difference when it comes to you know even rainfall total throughout the summer. Um, Again, try to take um, different um, sample areas based on row spacing. So like for corn, a 30-inch row, we would do a 7 by 6 sample. Uh, we identify the crop stage, count the visible ears, um, try to pull ears 7, 17, and 21, or any variation you know, with that spacing. We measure the ear width and the ear length, and then um, all of that data is then reported into me via spreadsheet, and we tally it up. Okay. And again, for our listeners, um, you can go in and see on this document, or if you're listening on YouTube, what the high, what the low was, the average, and then how many samples, um, you know, how big a sample size that was per county. So that's really nice. It's broken down um, uh, right here in front of you. So we are going to break from Reese and jump into some of our account leads to talk to us about their specific areas, but be sure to listen in to the end of this podcast. Um, Reese is going to maybe give us just a smidge of what's coming potentially on this WASDI report released later today. So be sure to join us for that at the end of the podcast. 
Okay, so next with us, we have Jeff Aronson, who is an account lead kind of up in the rake area, and he's going to come in and chat with us just about what he's been seeing in his local area and walk us through a few of the numbers that we've seen on corn and beans for that northeast quadrant of our territory. So, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ashley. All right, tell us a little bit about you know what you do as an account lead and what you do with our farmers here. Um, my duties include promoting seed, fertilizer agronomy, making recommendations, uh, putting in work orders, making sure that it's a smooth transition from the order from the farmer to the completed field at the end. That's yeah. basically what I do. And tell us, um, just because I think people need to know your expertise, right? How long have you been in this world? Uh, well, yesterday was my 68th birthday. <laughs> and I, I started out, my dad had a fertilizer plant at Kenyon, Minnesota. My grandfather worked in a fertilizer plant in Farmington, Minnesota. So since I was too small to go into the plant, to growing up playing in the plant, to continuing on through high school, after high school, and right up till today, this is all I've ever done. So I yeah. live it, I breathe it, I got it pumping in my blood. For sure. So. Well, whenever I have an agronomy <coughs> question, I mean, you're usually one of the first to call. So <laughs> I'm excited to chat with you today. So yeah. tell us, obviously, your territory is rake. So tell us kind of what you've been seeing. Um, let's start with corn first. Corn? Um, I've been fretting this all season long with as dry as it's been and the way some of the crop looked. I really was worried when I started looking at these fields. I got into them. I basically went from Rake South into Winnebago County and I was surprised at how good the crop is. I, the ears are, are filled to the tip. There's 16, 18, even 20 rows around, 35 to 45 kernels long. It, it's, it surprised me how, how good it is. I don't know that it'll be last year's crop, but it's going to be a good crop. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a little worried about test weight. These hot, dry winds here at the end, I think it's pushing the maturity a lot faster than than what it will and and honestly i think we'll have guys picking corn here in the next week yeah. 10 days so um it's a little bit early usually we get to start <laughs> on the beans first but the our beans are um they're green yet so yeah. we've got a ways to go to get a bean crop so yeah, you know, I was up there uh, this past weekend, and you guys have a lot of green beans, and the corn is still a little green as well compared yeah. to, you know, as I drive from south, southern Iowa to northern Iowa. Um, so then tell us, you t we talked a little bit before we started this podcast, um, you know, you mentioned this heat in the last week that we've seen is probably going to, you know, tip yield back a little bit. Talk right. to us about that. I, I think it's, it's mostly what it's going to do is the corn is going to, it's going to be just a little lighter test weight than last year. It seemed like we had enough moisture that it, everything filled as full as it could get. Mm -hmm. Now, I think um, had we had three days of rain, we would have added more bushels. Mm -hmm. But um, no, all in all, I, I, I'm still optimistic for a good corn crop. When you go from rake north, there you see the corn is uh, fired from the ground, okay. mostly up to the ears. Um, although I've talked to a couple of guys that were taking silage, 
this past week, and they uh, they seem to believe that the corn is as good or better than last year when they get into the field. So it's going to be a challenge until the combines get there, and we really know. Yeah. But I'm I'm optimistic. Um, I I wish the grain market was a little better to support <laughs> you and me a both. good crop. <laughs> But all in all, um, if we can grow bushels, there's going to be a window for these guys to make, make some money. Inputs for next year are literally half of what they were last year. So mm -hmm. um, I think we're set up for a much better crop going forward. And I think um, before I let you move off that point, uh, I wouldn't be a grain originator if I didn't mention this, even though we're talking agronomy today. If you have not started looking at Dees or Nove 2024, you need to be. As Jeff just mentioned, right, like most of your input prices are probably a bit down. Um, and so, yes, those input, those those grain marketing prices are lower on Nove and Dees 2024. But, guys, just remember where we were last year and where we are today, right? The market's come down so much, and I'm, I'm, we're just worried here as, as a team at Landis that, you know, you need to be kind of hedging yourself for next year with lower input costs. Um, so just for our listeners, um, all of this data is in the show notes for you to be able to visualize, but I just want to walk you through. So obviously, Rake sits on the Iowa-Minnesota border. Um, so we've got Faribault, Faribault, Minnesota County is 198 bushel to the acre. Winnebago, we've got 226. We don't take that many samples in Kasuth, so make sure you take that into perspective, but we've got 210. We've got Hancock County at 207, Wright at 208, Franklin County at 222, then interesting, over in Floyd, Chickasaw, Bremer, and Butler, we've got kind of a dip on some things. We've got Floyd at 167, Chickasaw at 163, Butler 174, Bremer 174, Grundy 234, and Blackhawk 187. And, and just as a reminder, if you're wondering, I didn't think Landis had facilities in Grundy and Blackhawk. Um, we actually acquired Snitcher Grain, and so that is now, now Landis Facilities as of September 1. And so we're so excited to do business in, the, in those areas and, and help that team over there with um, two brand-new facilities to us. All right, Jeff, let's switch it over to soybeans. Tell us kind of your thoughts. So while we were grabbing corn samples, we also grabbed soybean samples in all of our area. And, and uh, I've done this for a long time, and <laughs> without fail, I go out there and I get all excited about a field, and then we com combine it, and it disappoints me. And a field that I truly think is going to be a disaster surprises me. It's just unbelievable how good the yields really are. So... Until we run the combines through, I hate to even venture a guess, but I, I think our soybeans are going to be less than last year. I, uh, last year, I see the area I checked was 64. This year, it's 59. Um, it, and 59 might just be on the high side of it. Our area in that part of the state has tremendous white mold issues this mm -hmm. year. Any spot where there was a dip in the field where they had moisture seems like it was just blessed with an abundance of white mold so that being said the the really high yielding spots are going to be tempered with white mold the areas that don't have white mold i think are going to be better than what we expect so averages um until you run the combine through but i think 
mid-50s, um, and you should be sold up to that with the prices that we had earlier. Yeah. But um, it's still, I looked yesterday, the mar and the prices are still not bad. Mm -hmm. um, not the big market that they had, but it's still a good price for beans. So just get them, you know. Um, don't wait, though. I think the weather has induced a lot of uh, diseases and things that they don't normally run into. So get them early and yeah. uh, get them in the bin or get them in our bin. <laughs> you bet. I like it. Get it. Look, that, we'll just use Jeff as our, our grain spokesperson from now on. Uh, all right. So then tell me a little bit, right? Like soybeans, we always say soybeans are made in August. Let's talk through like what the weather was like in August. And then I also want to know, like as you were looking at soybeans, what did pods look like? So that was one of the biggest surprises that I had. Um, when we take these, we measure off a given area and then we count all the, the plants in that area. Then we take them back to the office and we pull every pod <laughs> off and you go through and you, you separate them out. So on each plant, uh, years ago, Bayer had a big program where, you know, you could win a prize if you found a four bean pod. <laughs> I literally found four bean pods on almost every plant that we checked. Okay. I found the majority of them are three bean pods and there's three beans in them and to probably 25 percent 20 to 25 percent were two bean pods okay. so there's more beans there i think that a little moisture instead of a lot of heat would have would have filled a lot of those upper pods the beans they're indeterminate so they try to keep growing if the conditions are right mm -hmm. i just i i think we would have added those them big clusters that you see in at the top when you really got a great bean crop i didn't see a lot of that i saw some small pods that were trying to fill but i think they ran out of moisture so i think that's why our yields are going to be off a little bit we didn't get that top five ten bushels yeah. but i think you're still going to see a, a decent bean crop so I'm, I'm optimistic these guys, they need a good crop because we have some terribly high price inputs out there. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, it's going to take a lot less of their crop to put the new, new inputs to grow next year's crop. So you always got to look ahead. So You do, yeah. And then help me because uh, I am not an agronomy gal. <laughs> it's been a long time since We've I was in that world. We've been working on it. We've been working on it. We've been that. working on me, yes. Um, it's been a long time since I was in that world. So... I have some farmers that are starting to combine beans yes. and you know, they're, they're 9% moisture. They're ready to go, but talk to us a little bit about, um, right. As we think about combining these beans, we haven't clearly had a frost yet. So there's still quite a few green beans in there. I mean, how are we, how's this harvest going to be until we get a frost? <sighs> so fortunately the combines that they're running today, they, they look like they can literally run silage through them and still recover. <laughs> they have tr tremendous capacity. It's going to be tough cutting because the stems are going to stay green stay until green, the plants yeah. actually die. Um, they are, as seeing on our bus ride down yesterday, there's a lot of beans that have started to drop their leaves. Mm -hmm. um, and if I was a farmer, I guess I would be proactive in checking these fields, even though that they don't look ready. If they're running that low of moisture, you're giving up four or five percent of your yield. You are, yeah. Just to moisture that uh, you could capture. 
Um, you, it takes a little more uh, expertise setting the combine, which these guys have, mm -hmm. to make sure they're not running any of the pumpkins out the back. But <laughs> but 9% uh, mixed with 15% beans makes pretty good beans, and I'm pretty sure we'll take them all. So, <laughs> you know, I, I wanna, I'm going to go back to uh, one thing on corn. When you mentioned these southeastern counties and mm -hmm. how the yield was affected, I think that if you we've been preaching tar spot for a long time. Yeah. I think that's where you see the big tar spot effect. Okay. And our county, I checked seven different townships and I was in quite a few fields. I really didn't see any tar spot. I can't believe that we got fungicide on every one of those fields and prevented a hundred percent. I know we spread a lot of fungicides, but that's part of why I think our yields stayed better. Okay. So they need to be aware of tar spot. Um, it's devastating if you get it early. Yeah. So I know talk to the rest of our reps. They're they're out there willing to help you. It it, it doesn't look as disastrous as it really is. So yeah. you need to be on top of it. Okay. Well, thank you, Jeff. I really just appreciate you walking us through some of this stuff. Again, um, I'm going to say this a lot during this podcast, but all of these yields and and how we calculate these things are in the show notes. Um, it's a, just a really beautiful slide deck that Reese has put together for you to look at. So be sure to download that, check it out uh, when you have a chance. All right. So next up, we have another account lead joining us. So uh, we have Luke Fanami in. Luke, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, tell us kind of the area that you cover and how long you've been with Landis in your current role. Hi, everybody. Luke Vanami, account lead in Boxholm. Uh, I've been with Landis, uh, will be seven years here in December. Um, I cover Boxholm area, um, down to Beaver, um, over to Payton and up the gallery. So that's kind of the trademark I take care of. Okay. And so we really want to chat with you today about kind of what you've seen, obviously, on the crop tour. So we're going to start with corn. And, you know, you mentioned, let's talk through Green County first. So looks like listeners, as a reminder, you've got this information in the show notes, or if you're joining us on video, this is on your screen. We've got green yield around 197. So, Luke, tell us a little bit um, maybe about the crop and conditions um, this year. Crop-wise, I think um, it's a little little behind what we saw last year. Uh, started off really dry, um, caused some rains here in June and July. Um, here lately, I guess with the heat, um, might cause some test weight issues. Um, other than that, I think, yeah, that 197 could creep up into the low 200s for corn yields. Okay, and um, just like thinking back, right, the growing season, um, I mean, kind of give our, our listeners a glimpse. Did corn get in kind of typical time? Was it early or late historically? I think with the dry conditions, I think we got in uh, fairly earlier than what we've seen in the past. Um, maybe about as early as we did, did last year. Okay. okay, and then you also mentioned we're going to chat with you about Boone County. Um, so Boone, it looks like we've got around 202. So chat with us about that area. Um, not much different than Greene County. Um, we we did catch a little more rain um, here in the summer months in Boone County than we did over in Greene. Um, I expect some, some of those corn yields to creep up a little higher than uh, what we saw in Greene County. Okay. 
And then as far as harvest goes, I mean, we're recording this today on the 8th. So give us a glimpse. Um, I feel like I know your answer <laughs> because I've been driving this area. <laughs> but, um, you know, tell us what are guys thinking? I mean, potentially probably next week. What's what's it looking like for your growers? Yeah. Yeah, it's approaching real quick. Um, I've had growers come in with hand samples, um, some early corn testing uh, 20%. Um, that's that's a crazy dry. That's a 102-day corn. Some of the later maturities, I mean, you get into 109, 110-day. I mean, it's still around 30, 35% um, hand sampled. So I think we next probably two weeks, we might see, start seeing some. Um, I got a few guys that might be combining beans here next week. So uh, that's, that's a par- approaching. It is approaching fast. And, you know, this is our reminder to our listeners, especially, you know, if we've got farmer members listening, um, you know, be sure we're, we're always happy to take samples, right? Um, but let us know if you need help with any grain marketing or uh, anything we can do just to make your harvest flow smoother. It's always helpful, you know, just as a reminder to our farmers, if you know you're going to be delivering some corn into one of our facilities, give that facility a call and let's just get you a delivery set up so that as soon as you pull onto that scale, we know who you are, where it's coming from. That way we can keep everything straight for you uh, as we get busier and busier. So, all right, Luke, let's move into soybeans. Um, so kind of starting again with Green County, um, we've got it around 53, but tell me, you know, does that feel accurate? Um, I know beans are obviously harder too, to, to kind of figure out yield wise. Yeah, beans are, uh, yeah, it's pretty difficult to um, estimate yields on beans. Um, I think um, with this last heat that we got here uh, a week ago, um, not sure if those top pods are going to fill out all the way. Um, I expect, I guess, bean yields to be upper 50s to maybe low 60s, um, kind of covering green in Boone County. Okay. And then talk to us a little bit, you know, what did pods look like, pod size? Um, you know, talk to us a little bit more about, you know, what those beans actually did look like when you guys were out and about. Um, I would say majority of the beans we saw, average um, bean count in the pods was probably 2.3 to two two and a half um, beans per pod. Um, I mean, you got some areas that sudden death started showing up late. Um uh, that's about about it from the beans. Okay. And obviously just kind of jumping back to corn, you mentioned, you know, maybe test weight might be a concern. Any other kind of agronomic concerns that, you know, you and your counterparts down in this area might be worried about as we enter harvest? Um, there's a little bit of tar spot, uh, nothing too terrible. I think it came in late like it did last year. I don't think um, there'll be much yield drag with the tar spot in the corn. Um, on the bean side, I I don't think there's much to cover on that. Okay. Well, hey, Luke, I so appreciate you just filling our customers in on what's going on in your area. And again, just a reminder to our listeners, we either have this for you to download. Reese has put this together uh, in a really great PowerPoint form, or you can hop over to YouTube and just actually listen and watch. And this will all be on your screen as we talk through it. So Thanks so much, Luke. Yep, thanks for your time. This week, the Grow Podcast is presented by Landis Financing. 
the Landis Finance team is offering three unique options for financing your 2024 harvest, including 0% financing for all of your fall inputs. Check out all of the options at landis.com forward slash financing or call 515-800-GROW, option six. Thank you, Landis Financing, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Okay, so next on the podcast to give us a look at another area is Dave Lemke. Dave, welcome to the podcast. You are returning again from last year's crop tour report. So give us a little background on uh, who you are, what you do, and how long you've been doing it. Yeah, I'm Dave. I've been an agronomist in Northwest Iowa for a lot of years. We'll just put it that way, but I'm in my 45th year of helping growers produce more. So I've been with Landis. We're in the cooperative system for 35 years. The area I cover is parts of Northwest Iowa that Landis touches. You know, you make relationships with farmers years ago and you continue to maintain those. So whatever we can do to help make them better. Well, I like it. All right, so we are going to dive in. You cover, you know, kind of a, a swath of areas, but I want to start um, in Carroll County. So we are showing 196 for the yield in Carroll County. I'd love to know, tell us what you're thinking there. You know, is that too high? Is that too low? And then tell us crop conditions and any concerns. So as everyone probably will touch on this year, yield's going to be directly related to who got blessed with a good rainfall at what crop development time. The 196 could be correct. We have some areas that will be a lot less than that, but the overall field averages could be pretty decent. They were short early. Then there's areas that did get some significant rainfall here a month ago. That will tend to help. My biggest fear on all of these is the two extreme heat events that we had previous, you know, three weeks ago, and then again a week and a half ago. I know it is greatly going to affect the size of the soybean and it is going to affect the size of the kernel. But the underlying fact is later season corn appears to be intact yet. Don't know how that will affect the test weight on them. That will be a huge part of the yield factor. Okay, okay. Uh, so dipping down to beans then in Carroll County, we're showing roughly 43 uh, bushel to the acre. Uh, tell us more there. Same thing. I think some of the beans that didn't finish up normally, you know, that still had some fill time required. They're going to be small soybeans. Some of the early ones may be our best soybeans. You know, I I would expect we're going to have a wide range of yield based on soil type and once again how much rainfall they got. Mm -hmm. I would expect we'll see some 30 bushel yields, but we'll probably also see some that are approaching mid 60s. Okay. And any any, you know, specific agronomic concerns as far as beans go kind of in your areas this year? Well, we did at the end here start to see some disease issues, white mold, a little sudden death, charcoal rot, 
those kind of diseases that come on because of other stresses. The white mold seems to be specific to certain varieties, but once again, it's out there and in areas, it's gonna knock the bushels down by about 20 to the acre. You know, you never see whole fields, but you definitely see these big patches that are now dead. And we know the yield will be significantly lowered there. You know, do we have other concerns? Not really. I mean, everything's done except for the harvest now. <laughs> and speaking of that comment, I mean, we're recording this on September 8th. When do you think your customers will really be rolling? And kind of what moistures are you looking at right now for corn? So we're seeing corn anywhere from 19 up into the low 30s. Um, when we have hot, dry weather like that, it's we don't have normal death. And I've had guys tell me they are hand sampling soybeans, especially that are down in the 12 and the pods are dry, the beans are dry, and they're on a still green stem. So harvest is going to be kind of funky, I'm afraid, for lack of a better word. I don't think that anything's going to die normally. That's uh, probably a really appropriate way to put it on a podcast, funky. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you know, soybeans, obviously, I'm, I'm a grain kid, but I know enough that, you know, green stems are no fun to combine, um, probably until we get a good frost, which is probably a ways away, September 8th here. So. Right. Well, and even if we would get a rain that takes more of the leaves and PDOs off the plant, and then it would signal it that it's time to quit. But, you know, with the rain that we had here a month ago, you know, you lose track of time, but it was in that time frame when everybody got a significant rain. Some of the fuller season beans were, hey, we can go again. Let's go. We had blooms, we had new top growth, and some of the earlier beans were starting back up to finish filling, and then we put them into a corn dryer, you know, with that 105 temperature heat index, then they were still trying to finish, but they couldn't do it. So plants get a little confused. Yeah. All right, so then moving back to corn, um, and I'm excited to hear your take on this because before we started, I told you what some of these yields were, and you said, I don't agree. <laughs> and I said, all right, well, we need to talk through that. So right. let's kind of talk through Webster, Calhoun, Pocahontas. Um, so just for our listeners, again, um, I've said this a few times here, but be sure if you are listening, we have this document available for you to download that's in our show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube or if you want to go over to YouTube, um, this is just on your screen. So uh, really nice for you to be able to see what exactly we're talking about. Um, and the, the highs and lows and the average and how many samples were taken um, for each of these. So for Pocahontas, we've got 167. Calhoun, we've got 203. And Webster, we've got 225. So you've got some strong feelings and I want to hear them. <laughs> I believe Pocahontas will be better than that. Yeah, there's some tough areas, again, in all three of those counties. Um, Calhoun, Webster, and Pokey all had 
significant rains at different times. Um, I think the 203 on Calhoun is probably the closest to right. Pokey at 165, I think that's going to be 20 bushel too low. And Webster at 225, this last heat may prove me wrong, but I don't think they can achieve 225. I think it'll be somewhere near what Calvin in that 200 range. Uh, the, the reason being, again, that sudden end of the growing season and i spend a lot of time in the fields and yes the the ear count and everything is there but again we're gonna see a a very shortened up green fill period here that i think is going to cut the yield just because the kernels couldn't finish filling normally you know i'm I'm concerned as well with harvestability because, you know, the plant's single purpose in its life is to reproduce as efficiently as what it can. And when it runs out of water and gets hot and dry, I'm concerned about stock quality. I don't think ear retention will be a problem, but I wonder about harvestability at, at the tail end of the harvest. Mm-hmm. And talk to us, Dave, if you would, um, from a grain quality standpoint, um, we've, I've heard, you know, across the industry in, in our offices, we're really concerned about test weight. Um, just as that kernel, you know, essentially stopped growing, if I understand that right, it just, it, it just put all of its energy into kind of saving itself during the heat. Is that correct? So that, that's a good way to put it. Well, I, I, Listen to an agronomist, and uh, she puts things really well on TikTok, you know. <laughs> so walk us through what does the test weight situation look like, and, and should, you know, farmers storing grain, how, how do they manage this? You know, when you drive down the highway and you can see variation in the fields from your car pickup, and you see dead areas, green areas, and that kind of shows what the farmer and us will be facing as far as grain storage because obviously moistures are going to be very different as they harvest and you know we deal with the average the test weight will be the same that some of it that died prematurely or earlier is more than likely going to be light, chappier kind of grain with possibly a spongy cob and might be hard to get off the cob. Then you get to the areas that maybe hold more moisture and it's more of a normal depth and, and finish to the grain fill. It's going to probably be a better test weight, better yield also, but the average of the test weight will probably go down. But to me, more of a concern will be storing some of it long-term when you've got that variable of a moisture in a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a um, across-the-industry concern um, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. So 
Anything else, Dave, as you think about kind of your area, your growing conditions that you want to be sure that we we kind of talk about today? Um, obviously, growers have been made aware that we're going to have to be real aware of stock quality and standability. You know, it normally takes moisture for some of the late season stock diseases to be a big problem. But that stock is not of the best quality because, you know, much like your other agronomist was talking about that, the plant just tries to survive and cannibalize itself to accomplish its task of reproducing. So if it has to steal nutrients from the stock rind strength is good but a lot of the stock integrity is compromised because it's like cardboard on the inside it's pretty pulpy and you know just isn't what i would say really strong to stand for a long period of time okay Okay. Well, hey, Dave, I just so appreciate you coming on and and chatting with us about, you know, what you guys have seen and and maybe some insight on what to expect this harvest. So, hey, happy harvest, because uh, when this releases, we're going to be in it. Yeah, we will. Uh, So stay safe in your guys' territory. We will. (laughs) Enjoy. Thank you, Dave. Thanks. Okay, well, we hope that you took a ton of information from our three account leads that joined us. Um, Thank you to those who were able to jump on and give us some detailed information about their areas. Well, Reese, I've got you back here, and I want to chat through, you know, what the average yields per kind of quadrant of our trade area are, kind of what our projected Landis trade area yield might be. Um, And then as I kind of toyed earlier, I want to talk about this WASD WASD report that's going to be released later here today uh, at 11. So I'll let you go ahead and start maybe in the northwest. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, Northwest, we're calling our average 194 corn, 57 beans. That is um, slightly higher than last year. Northeast, 198 corn and 50 beans. That is lower than last year. Um, Southeast, 203 corn, 65 beans. I believe that's lower corn, higher beans. Southwest, 194 corn, 49 beans. Roughly the same, if not slightly lower. Um, or slightly higher, excuse me. For a grand total of the Landis uh, crop tour coming out at 200 bushel the acre for our trade area and 54 bushel the acre beans. That is uh, down three on corn and up three on beans. A um, couple comments on that. Um, beans are very, very hard to judge. I'm sure you heard about that <laughs> with um, you know, our staff that was on the podcast earlier talking about what they see in the field. Um, it does feel like that number's gone down since this data has been collected even because it has not rained a drop here in the state of Iowa. So um, we are concerned, as I'm sure most of our listeners are, with um, you know, what beans are going to end up yielding this year. Um, it has not been a good end to their growing season. So time will tell once combines start rolling. But, yeah, 200 corn, 54 on beans. Feel okay about the corn. Um, you could make the argument for a bushel up or down either way, but beans, we do see that number kind of falling um, after this data has been collected. 
Yeah, and as Reese alluded to, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, we really do this not only to provide our farmers with insight um, on, you know, maybe what we're seeing just as a as a company and trade area, but but also, you know, this really provides us as a company um, really good a really good resource to figure out maybe what areas are going to be short space, long space for our facilities. This really helps us do a lot of planning for harvest logistics. Um, and as a farmer member, I would think that would be super important to you, you know, as we're thinking about, you know, hey, the the northeast could be a little lower than last year, but still a great yield. Uh, southeast, maybe a little higher than last year. So we're really trying to figure out where do we need to, you know, Reese's job is to figure out where we need to sell some more trains during harvest or get some more trucks to going to be going out of facilities during harvest. So this is valuable information, hopefully not only to our farmer members and, and agribusiness people listening, but for us internally, we really, we really utilize this. So Next thing on our agenda that we want to give you just a, a heads up on, there is a WASD report releasing today at 11. And so um, just wanted to have Reese give maybe a smidge of kind of information that we're, we get from our wires um, that, you know, could potentially happen. And obviously none of us know until 11, but today is the monthly WASD report. So Reese, turn it over to you. Yeah. So a couple things you might find on this report later today. Um you're probably going to get yield adjustments from the USDA and potentially acres adjustments too that are going to impact carryout. So, um, you know, yield estimates, private yield estimates are working lower, um, you know, every day. It would not surprise me if USDA takes both corn and bean yield down nationally. It'll be interesting to see how they break that out by state, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised as um, if they take yield lower. You might also have some acre shifts. So if you'll notice uh, when Pro Farmer Tour came out, you know, several days ago, they did mention they were taking their corn acres, their planted corn acres higher after doing the tour in their estimates. A another private analyst um, uh, has said something very similar as well. So, you know, any um, loss in corn yield could be offset by an increase in corn acres. We'll just have to see what the numbers come out. Um, but in general, um, beans should not really be impacted by that, according to, you know, I guess our estimates or what we're hearing, what we're reading, and, and what we've seen some private analysts um, report in the, in the past few days. So, again, you're going to see some yield reductions, um, I believe, in, in corn and beans. Could be offset by more acres in corn, but beans, um, I'm kind of leaning a little friendly for this report here later today. Okay. And to our farmer members, if you are listening to this, you know, the morning before the podcast comes out, these reports are always really great. Great opportunities, I think, for you to, you know, get in contact with your grain originator, the person that's helping you market your grain. If you have kind of prices that you are sad that have slipped away, this is a great opportunity. You know, if they do take yield acres down, we could see potentially a pop in the market. Um, get an offer working because, you should know that somebody like my phone is going to be ringing off the hook if we see market action on this report. So be sure to work an offer so that that offer can be filled for you without having to try to get across somebody's phone. <laughs> yeah, if we have a big day, not only will phones uh, be busy, no doubt, but you know the nice thing about offer contracts is the second the market fills that price, your offers hit, and we honor that contract. Um, that's a lot 
easier that's a lot less risk than potentially trying to you know call the office and get something priced or call your you know growth solutions grain marketing specialist and get something priced so offer contracts are without a doubt the best way to play a market on report days uh, usually the most volatile days of the year some of the most volatile days of the year so you know a good time before combines probably really start rolling here to maybe have some you know aggressive or uh, decent new crop corn and bean offers working uh, before we get started yeah, and I think last thing that I just want to make sure that we hone in on, I talked a little bit about it with Jeff, but um, these input prices for next year are lower than we've seen in the last few years. So if you haven't started taking a look at Dece 2024, Nov 2024, you really need to be looking in here um, and be you know talking to your grain people, figuring out where those numbers need to be for your operation. Um, but Definitely take a look in those numbers, put a hedge to arrive on, wait for basis if you think that it's going to be more aggressive, you know, as we play out further. Um, but definitely take a look at those. And I just want to thank you for listening. Thanks again, Reese, for doing these numbers for us and uh, the podcast crew for splicing all of these people together for us. So thank you so much to our listeners.